Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very, very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great, great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. I want to thank Serve Pro of Beechwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beechwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any Serve Pro. Seek out Serve Pro of Beechwood. That's Serve Pro Beechwood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights.com, 216 464-4498. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beechwood, we love Serve Pro of Beechwood. Blood Time, the podcast that speaks to the bond, the emotion between coach and athlete at the interscholastic and intercollegiate level. Each interview each segment will reveal that bond and what was learned, how they were transformed, and what each athlete took to the world at large from that transformation. These stories will warm your heart and astound you all together. Submitted for your approval, now it is blood time. Hey guys, Coach Cimarroni here. It's blood time. I want to thank my last guest, Gabriel Dean, two-time NCAA champion, three-time finalist, and current assistant wrestling coach at Cornell University. Amazing guy. Very candid, heartfelt, and really opened up about how, you know, he disappointed his dad as the guy after he lost his uh, final match in college to Bo Nickel, 4-3, to three. Uh, going after his third NCAA title. Very deeply disappointing, but uh, he turned inward, and uh, it took his dad and himself and his brother to bring him out of it, and uh, today he feels he's a better man, and that self-reflection is what this is all about. Amazing interview, terrific guy, and we wish him the best. Today I have my dearest friend in the world, my brother, uh, a guy that um, I love dearly and respect immensely, but also, too, a guy that uh, has a great viewpoint that I think is going to be rare, and I hope to be able to entice him to bring that rare viewpoint out today. Dr. Scott Peters. Welcome, Scott. What's happening, baby? How you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to be here. Uh, We're in the middle of uh, coming out of the COVID-19 crisis, and you are masked up as a good doctor would be. I am not. Uh, Maybe I should be. Maybe you're going to convince me to be. You know, this was like a, a mouse turned into a monster. Of course. Right. I mean, the coronavirus has been forever implicated as being the cause of the, the common cold. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it would be very infectious since all of us have a common cold at least once or twice a year, you know. Of course. Sure. If all of a sudden it's got this 
it's got this new added feature where it destroys your lungs yes. and you can't breathe. Well, okay, <laughs> right. so now you're talking about a whole different animal. So anyways, but I think we are going to come out of it. I think the fact that some people will come out aggressively, meaning they're going to forego all restrictions, spatial distancing, you know, social distancing, whatever you want to call it, um, and masks and whatever, but other people will still hang on to it for yes. however long. That's going to help it die out still. Gotcha. Right? Because there still will be less people blowing it around. Gotcha. gotcha. So anyways, so I look forward to that very much. So. I just feel like I have to be an example. Of course. Because, well, you're a, you're a medical professional, yeah. and I appreciate that and respect that. No matter what, it's going to be complex, and it, it will be chaotic to, to some, and there's going to be far-reaching consequences that we're going to have to deal with. And there will. Based God, on this quarantine. God willing, they won't, there won't be a lot of them. Hopefully not. The numbers will be diminishing, and this thing will fade away, and it'll be a faded memory before we know it. Well, I know we could do an entire show on this. And we could, I, sure. I appreciate your intellect, and I also appreciate your pragmatism and also your common sense, and we need more of that. And Scott, one of the things, those are some of the th three things I love about you, but this is a wrestling, this is a sports, this is an inspirational podcast. So I want to get to the those stories you know, and I've known you since you were a young man, and I coached you when you were a young man. You were, but I still look at you sometimes with those beautiful eyes, and I say, "See that young man." All right. All right. And I know the wrestling room and the athletic fields, but particularly the wrestling room inspired you to be the man you are today, in so many ways. I want you to share some of those stories of what, if there were transformative moments or one moment that created this physician, this religious leader, this father, this husband that I see in front of me today? Oh, okay. Well, that's a broad question. Well, in 1966... You're capable. <laughs> and do not start with, I brush my teeth today and comb my hair. 1966 when I had my when first you were born. birthday. Right? Exactly right. Yes. So, um, no, of course, you know, the sport of wrestling is still woven in the fabric that I call me. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's your you, DNA. You can't go a day in my house without hearing something about wrestling. Is that true, Maverick? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We uh, yesterday we had some. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, you know, it gets in your blood, it gets in your cells, and it's it's sure. part of you. And so um, I think that the relationship that you have with your coaches and the relationship that you have with your fellow wrestlers you don't realize it when it's happening. Right. But it is absolutely shaping you as a future person. Of course. My days of wrestling started, um, and you and I have talked about it in the past, started at a place called the Pin Squad. Right. It quickly, we were taken to a different program called Longwood, which was one of the, you know. Well, most, that was iconic. Right. One run of the most by storied, some of the most iconic coaches ever. Right. One of the most storied youth programs in the country, for sure. And so there I was coached by um, Graham Coghill and Ed Govain. Right. And both, you know, phenomenal guys, phenomenal coaches. I still hold them very dear in my heart, you know, to this day. I think it and, and created a dynasty at Chanel, uh, the Firebirds, many state championships, many state championship teams. So they did. And it's yeah. interesting. I, I learned something not all that long ago, you know. I consider myself somewhat of a wrestling historian, certainly no question. lightweights, you know, throughout, throughout the ages. And I saw somewhere the list of state champions from Chanel. Now, Chanel, you know, was, the school was uh, disbanded, you know, the diocese right. let it go. But yeah. 
However that works, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, well, it's all money based. That was a very sad day for a sure. Jewish kid like me who you know <laughs> grew right. up, you know, <laughs> working on those Chanel. Catholic boys over in Bedford, right? Right. Yeah. So you know, well, so I we used to train at Chanel. Sure. And we trained at Chanel and at St. Pius when we were younger, and so um, so that place, you know, is very near and dear to me. But um, when you're coached by men like that, yes. So then you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about life. Right. I didn't know what tough was until I was in a room with Graham Cogill. Yeah. And so when I saw, so I was saying before that I saw this list of all their state champions. And when I was, when I was at Longwood, yep. okay, I, I didn't know how to wrestle yet. I was just in my second or third year. Mm-hmm. And this room was just, I mean, packed with studs. Sure. The, the list is long and distinguished. Among the names were Jeff Coghill, Dave Mariola, John right. Moore. Right. Um, and there was also some, uh, Carl Jager. Sure. And there were, there were kids that were just very average that I thought were superstars because, I mean, I could go there with a pocket full of money and I couldn't buy a takedown in that room. Yeah, there right? you go. And I used to yeah. stay away from Jeff Coghill like he was the plague, like he was like, the coronavirus, like you know? <laughs> and so even COVID-19, get I, away from me. I really respected him and even looked up to him. We were the same age, but I sure. looked up to him because he was such a colorful personality. He was such a... Charismatic guy. Yeah, and he yeah. was a very strong leader. Right. And... Um, but I, I, when it came time for wrestling and takedowns, he was only five pounds heavier than me, but I made sure that that five pounds kept us apart. Exactly. You know, and so, but there was another kid in the room <clears throat> that I didn't, um, I didn't hear much about. He didn't get a whole lot of attention. Right. And I wanted to like him and I would try to talk to him, but he would never talk to me. Instead, he would just give me a beating. Okay. And his name was John Ryba. Oh boy. And yeah. John goes on to become my my nemesis, yes. right? So I lost to him, well, every day in practice. Somehow he could find me. Right. And But he didn't have the same, you know, the crown on his head that, that Jeff Coghill did. And it might be because Jeff probably won nationals several times, and, and I don't even know if John wrestled in the summer. I never really saw him in the summer. But, um, but I never beat Ryba. Ryba beat me in a JV match, okay. you know, like 10 to 3. Yeah. And then we wrestled as... Uh, juniors, and he beat me one to nothing, and then he beat me five to one, I think, in the section. So he had your number, and you were talking about you were talking about the actual list of guys, right? So, I just recently found that he was their first state champion. That's wild. I mean, I thought that he came from you know he came from Graham Coghill and Ed Govang. Right. right. I they thought there was this long, right, right, that, right yeah. that many, many. He yeah. started the whole ball rolling. That's fantastic. Right, it really is. And, yeah. you know, I was more proud of him. I, it, you know, I don't see John too much anymore. Right. But I, I would see his run brother in, Mike. I would run into the, him at tournaments from time to time. And yeah. So, you know, he had a son that was a state champ. Okay. And when I saw that this kid made state, states, you know, I was so excited. Okay. For him. And then he won it. He was not a favorite to win it. I mean, right. I don't know where Brakeman had him, but, you know, he was somewhere down, down, maybe in the top 10 still, but not sure. near the top. Yeah. And so I was very proud of him. And when I saw that he was their first state champion, he was a two-timer and right. probably should have been a three-timer. Yeah. He got beat out by Carl Jager, Jager our sophomore year. Wow. And he beat Jager out all year, except for the dual meet against us. So I had a chance to lose to Jager also. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't a dual meet. It was a quad. And, you love Chanel. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, listen, if I can, you know, if I can spread joy to everybody else, it were, comes by me throwing a match. The entire Catholic right? community was right. just loving that right. little Jew yeah, from Beach. They, they did. And so, but, you know, but I felt it was my duty to build their esteem. And, of course And, and help was. them develop, yes. you know. And you did it well. Absolutely. And so, but, uh, yeah, so Ryba, you know, I never beat John, but. Um, my senior year, I was, you know, my goal was to cut down to 12. Okay. And I started the year at 32. Yeah. So yeah. that was four weight classes, 32, yeah, 26. That's not going to happen. Right. So, and um, Coach I gave me, a, my, my high school coach, coach Dominic Marino. Marino, right, yeah. who you interviewed a few yeah, weeks ago. Beautiful interview. Yeah. So he gave me a date that I had to be at a certain weight by, and I'm, I, he weighed me in on that day, and I missed by like two and a half pounds, and he said, okay, you're going 19. Yeah. And it was a very traumatic day for me because I really, I had this unanswered question, you know. Yeah, could I do that? Can, can yeah. I beat Ryben? I really felt my senior year I could. I did have the good fortune. He and I both made the East All-Star team at the end of the season. Okay. So I got to work out with them that whole week and um, actually uh, for two days. Yeah. And I got <laughs> the only takedown between us. Okay. and. We could both pretty much ride each other out, and okay. so we're pretty even. But I, I felt like I finally avenged it, and but but he was, I mean, he was such a gritty, tough kid. Sure. And so he's one of the great unsung superstars, as far as I'm concerned, in, in high school wrestling in Ohio. Yes. But he was, he was a, he was a beast. So what did you learn from Coghill and that crew? What was the, what was so the I, takeaway? I really think that what I came away with from them was that if you have a work ethic. Yes. That can change you. Gotcha. That alone can change you. Gotcha. And your work ethic will make you tougher. Yes. So, you know, I've, I've translated that in, in my coaching days. I've translated that to mean that competence yes. breeds confidence. Well said. Right? And so confidence, uh, competence in your technique and competence in your training. Yes. Gives you the confidence for that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. For and sure. so, I mean, there's there are two very important pieces. I don't know that you could put one above the other. Well, you start to love yourself more by knowing that you can put yourself through the paces. And then you respect yourself. Well, I was going to say, you definitely start to respect yourself. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that we love ourselves always anyways. Intrinsically, sure. Yeah. But there's a lot of self-loathing out there. There could be. Yeah. Um, that's not been a problem with me. <laughs> I understand. Me either. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, in the Longwood room, you learned, number one, I learned how to take a beating. Of course. Right, and how to keep coming back. Right. Because I think if any, I don't know many other people that made it through there that got beat up as badly as I did. <laughs> that's right. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's an interesting process. Well, you know, I, I have this uh, saying, and I, I, it's one of the thought of the days, Iron through fire makes steel. Embrace the fire. You must have embraced the fire from the firebirds. So oh, yeah, well, I definitely felt it. Yeah, I got you. You <laughs> so felt the fire. I think I think I did embrace it. You know, I think I felt like if I could close the gap on any of them, yeah. you know, I could see that growth. And I sure. I always look for those kinds of things. That's so. such an important thing, closing the gap. <clears throat> yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. Because so everything baby steps, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to be aware of your surroundings. And you have to know how you're progressing through those circumstances. And so I always felt like I was getting better. And one of the great moments I had was we wrestled Chanel. At, uh, Chanel was at our sectionals. Okay. And it was at home at Beachwood. Sure. And so I wrestled Ryba in the finals. Okay. And I remember the whole first period, I heard the fans 
screaming, watch the headlock, watch the headlock, watch the headlock. I'm like, what, do they think I only have a headlock? <laughs> but later I was thinking it's it's so flattering. Yes. Because they know I have something dangerous. Yes. Right? Yes. I wish I believed in that headlock as much because I never tried to headlock Ryball, though he was, you know. Well, was... it's like the Jordan rules, right? I'm not going to have Jordan beat me. That's the Detroit Pistons uh-huh, had uh-huh. that. You I know? Hear, right. you know what I mean? so, Well, good luck with that one, too. <laughs> exactly right. Well, he actually, they, actually, they actually beat him with that, but then the next year they didn't. Because Jordan said, screw that. And you know what Jordan did? He lifted all that summer. He says, I'm going to take the beating. He uh-huh. says, that's the he reason. He got bigger they, and stronger. Yeah, he got bigger and stronger. He couldn't take the beating because they put the bad boys on him. Mm-hmm. Same thing with your, what you're talking about. You had that You had that atom bomb, if you will. So, so you know, so that was very um, important to me. But I think, you know, as far as developing as a person, mm-hmm. you know, I had a, uh, well, you actually, you were my first high school coach. Right? Yeah, I was. Because you were my JV coach. I was, yeah. And so as a freshman, I was JV. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, what lessons did I come away with from you? Okay. Okay? <laughs> and there were some. And okay. many more, actually, when I was your assistant coach later in life. Yes, right. I learned a lot more in those circumstances. Of course. But I, came I only to had the, you for a cup of coffee. I came to the conclusion yeah. that you were the worst coach I ever had. <laughs> Fair enough. I love it. <laughs> and let me explain that. Okay. I lost two JV matches my freshman year. Sure. One was against Ryba. Okay. And one was against Coach I's son. Right. Which was a very emotional thing for me. Very, Because I love Coach I. I worship Coach I. And here I was going in this match knowing that he wanted me to lose this match because it was against his son. Now, he never said that, of course. Of course. But that was what was going through my head. Yeah. Emotional all the way around. Right. And yeah. so you know how the match ended. Yes, I you know, I, you had to send two guys out to pick me up and carry me off the mat because I could not pull myself up. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So I ended up getting pinned. That was, that was the last time I ever got pinned. Right. I came away with the idea that you must be the worst coach I ever had because <laughs> I only wrestled two tough kids that year, Ryba and, and Mike Imarino, and both of them whipped me. So you didn't do much, much for me. And I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that. I'll take that criticism. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did love having you in the room, and I got a lot of pleasure out of watching you wrestle with some of our other guys. Yes. I'll never forget the time that you gave Tommy Weiss a black eye <laughs> doing a somersault in the middle of the, in the match, right? So and, That was fantastic, and he kept t- touching, looking in the mirror, saying, right. my beautiful face. Right. He's a perfect face. You ruined my perfect face. Oh, Tommy Weiss. So, God but, bless him. Yeah, so but anyway, so, but, you know, I came to the high school. You know, when I was in eighth grade, there were two of us that were good wrestlers, and it was myself and Eric Freed, yeah. who's also a, he's a oral maxillofacial surgeon now. Done very well. And so, <clears throat> um, very proud of him. Yes. And so, Eric and I were invited to high school practice right. when we were in eighth grade. And I mean, I was in awe. Tommy, who was a three-time, a three-time state placer and should have been a state champ. And right. you had David Sternberg, who was a two-time state champ. Yes. And you had Butch Lapsley and Michael Goldberg and Jeff Tolan and the Kravitzes. And, you know, you just had this incredible room. Right. And so, oh, and Stu Smiley was there then. And right. so, um, yeah, so who was third in the state. So I walked into that place and literally I couldn't get my jaw off the floor. Right. And all I wanted to do was be one of Coach I's boys. Right. right? I wanted to be his man. Yes. There was no question that I had a certain amount of cockiness to me I kind of probably ramped that up a little bit just well you were charming I was (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't know who in whose eyes but yeah you had charm okay so so I um so I just wanted to catch coach eyes eye yes of course and 
I eventually wanted to be the apple of his eye, and I eventually became the apple of his eye. You know, of my senior year, or maybe even my junior year. You know. Well, let's t- let's talk about that that whole process at Beachwood. We're going to take a commercial break. Though. Okay, great. Okay. Hey, I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Antonio Nicholson from Nicholson Law. This former state place winner from Solon High School and captain of the Cleveland State University team is a attorney that handles criminal cases, everything from minor misdemeanors to felonies of the first degree. He also does custody, civil, and personal injury cases, and he's been doing this for six years. He's a former public defender, and his motto is always and forever protector of the people. He wants to offer a 10% discount to all athletes former and present if they retain his services. Nicholson Law at 216-774-4774. That's 216-774-4774. Antonio Nicholson, Nicholson Law. All right, so we we talked about the Coach I and the Beechwood experience being in this room that made you, you know, really not only excited, but anticipatory about right. being well, one of those guys, right? I felt that I was part of that system. That's awesome. And I not only did I Grooming feel to be that, one of those guys. Okay, yeah. so that's that's the key, that I saw myself as absolutely, I was going to be one of those guys nice. in the future, and hopefully not the too distant future. Sure. So, you know, the biggest problem with me was physically I was, you know, I was – an 82-pound freshman. Right. When you interviewed Brian Zide, you mentioned that I was an 88-pound freshman. I was an 82-pound freshman. Okay. So I really wasn't even allowed to wrestle in JV matches because right. you had to be within um, seven pounds of the weight class. Sure, yeah. But, you know, they don't really take the scale down to see how far down you were. If you were under 98 pounds, you were okay, you know. So, right, I, right. so I wrestled in those matches. But back in the day. Back, back in the day, days. right. Today so, they do. Yeah. Today they do? Yeah. Well, because you get a digital readout. Yep. So... Um, so the situation was that I saw this coach that I just was in awe of, right. and he was such a firecracker. Right. I mean, he was he was such a strong, competitive man. Right. And he was also strategic, mm-hmm. which I really loved because for whatever reason, there are people in this world who can go out and they can be completely physical wrestlers. Yes. Um, I think my brother was an example of that. Yeah. Right. Dominant. I mean, I mean, physically dominant. The only intellect that he put into his match, and this is not meant as a knock to him, because the only intellect he put into his match was during training, what he would learn, mm-hmm. right? And then he always had his ears open to you and I when we were coaching. Sure. Right? And so, but other than that, he was just a physical body that was doing everything that he worked so hard at. You know? Sure. Yep. Then there's people that go in, I think Michael Linsker would be a good example, that is a much more intellectual wrestler, much more cerebral in his approach. Mm-hmm. And I think I was in that category as well. And right. so to see that Coach I was a coach that had a strategy, and Graham Coghill and, and, and Ed Govang may have had that, right. but I didn't see it. I wasn't ever behind the scenes. Right. But with Coach I, you could see it. It was, it was open, no and he question. was very smart in the way he approached things. Yes. And so I loved that, and I just wanted to be so close to him and learn from him and right. <clears throat> hear everything. So when I got into that high school, I just was his shadow, right? I don't even know if he realized, but I would just stand next to him. I listened to every story he told. I still remember the stories. I've asked him when I was a kid, I would ask him about every single state qualifier. 
Sure. And what happened when he got to state? Yep. Right? Tell me what happened to districts. Tell and he me had that memory. Oh, he had his memory. Recollections. It's to this day, it's still it incredible. Is. It you know? is. Yeah. And so I think that also um, helped create a relationship between us because he saw that I wanted to know. And so, you know, I mean, he was the most important figure in my life for those four years. Sure. And, you know, including my parents. Okay. Right? Because... They could tell me something, and he could tell me the same thing. If he told me, I'm doing it. And if they tell me, you know, there's going to be a fight if I don't want to do it, right? Yeah. And so he was such a – he had such a way of relating to me. Right. And, you know, I was a mischievous kid. I could find – you know, I could I could create trouble and walk away and let it happen. And then I could, from a distance, watch it and, you know, think, yeah. wow. That, and enjoy it. Right. It was yeah, very, enjoy it. Exactly. It was a very fun way to go through high school. <laughs> right. But um, Coach I knew me inside and out. Yes. And he would have a look on his face. He would ask me for an explanation to something, right? Yes. And I would give it to him, and I could see in his eyes if he was buying or not buying it, and he right. could look in my eyes and know if, if it was worth buying. I love it. So when did he transform? And so I would, did, How did he transform? So I, I just think, you know, he was such a trusted friend. Sure. That I just, you know, he, he didn't judge me. Right. And personally, I think he's always had a special place in his heart for the, for the more challenging kids. I agree. He liked he liked people that had personality. He did. Had their own unique personality. And kids gravitated to him because of that. And we had a myriad of different personalities. We did. So to say to say to that, I think you're astute in saying that's why you guys bonded. Right. So the stories he told me, they all fired me up. <clears throat> he told me when I was a junior mm-hmm. and I seemed like a lock to make state, he was telling me a story about Mark Haywald on his way down to state that they heard the song, This Is It by Kenny Loggins. Okay. And Coach I turned to him and said, this is it. Yeah. And, and he started telling me this whole story about sure. how that became like a mantra over the weekend, you know. And I love it. And so we were di- driving down to state. I didn't make state my junior year, but we were di- driving down to state my senior year. Okay. And that comes on the radio. And we, we actually, as soon as we hit Columbus, that song came on the radio. And Mark, uh-huh. at the time, was the only kid that made it only as a senior and won it as a senior. Yeah, right. And I was facing the same circumstances. Sure. So, you know, we pretty much penned myself in as the state champ. state champ, (laughs) exactly. But 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 he had such a deep belief in me and such a love. He he exuded so much love and confidence. Yes. You know, as a sophomore. Do you feel that there was a transference there? there? I would say there was a a turning point. Okay. But did he transfer that love to you? Oh, absolutely. Then, then you, so I, you I felt, felt it. it. So it was a symbiotic relationship, right? All the time. Okay. Right? And the fact that I could interrupt him, not exactly, you know, like we think of an interruption, but I can interrupt him talking to other teachers, and, okay. and he would rather hear from me than them. Gotcha. Right? He would leave that conversation to come spend time with me. Sure. I don't think any adult really realizes how much of an impact that makes on a kid. Of course. Because you just feel that someone believes in you and loves you. And, you, and I think we chatted about that when we became coaches together, yeah, for sure. how we had to really be very cognizant of what we're saying to these kids and not be flipped and take it re- relatively seriously because there, some of these words could be life-changing. Right, and you don't, you don't realize it. You don't realize it. My sophomore year, um, I had to wrestle Mark Atkins, oh, who's yeah. a two-time state champ from Richmond Heights and part of the family that was you know, one of the great families. Sure. And Mark and I had missed each other in seventh grade and in eighth grade. And in ninth grade. Gotcha. And we were supposed to wrestle each other each of those years. And 
something happened each time and we, we just never wrestled. So here we were both in the starting lineup for the first time. And you know, the Richmond Heights Beachwood rivalry was, you know, Brutal. that was it. Yeah, that was it. Was it. Just, it, was, it was so we were going to start off fire. the show. And so I came downstairs and, you know, I didn't have to check my weight because okay. I was a 92 pound sophomore wrestling right. 98 pounds. And Mark was small too, but not as small. And so I was walking and I heard Coach I speaking with Ronnie in the coach's office. Okay. Ronnie made out. Sure. Of blessed memory. God bless him. Yeah. And so I stood by the door and I eavesdropped. All right. And they were figuring out how the match was going to play out because okay. we had never beaten Richmond Heights and it was always close. Right. And some of our studs always beat their studs. Right. And some of their studs always beat our studs. And so they were going match by match. So they didn't start at 98 pounds. They started at 105. Okay. And then they came back to me and Ronnie said, so what do you think is going to happen with Peters and Atkins? Mm -hmm. Oh, and I wanted to hear the answer to this, but I was afraid. You know? Yeah, yeah. And Coach I, I'll, I'll never forget his words. He yeah. said, oh, I just don't think Scott will lose to him. And when I heard that, because yes. I was not going to lose to him. Right. right? I, I barged in and I said, you're damn right I'm not going to lose to him. I said, there's no way I'm going to lose to him. And he said, I believe in you. And he, right. and he really did believe me because he didn't know I was standing there. Oh, know? gotcha, yeah. yeah. And so, and I didn't lose to him. I tied him. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, there, was, there was nine seconds left in the in the first period, yes. right? And we're on our feet. Yes. And Coach I looks at me, you know, I look, I look over the corner and he says, don't do anything stupid, okay. right? So I thought that meant try a headlock. Oh. So I try a headlock and I slip the headlock and he takes me down. Oh my gosh. And I look over at him and he's got that look on his face like, like well, that isn't something. exactly what I meant there, buddy. Yeah. You know, and there was a lesson in that. Don't ever motivate somebody by telling them something in the negative. Yeah. Motivate somebody. Now, again, he'll take this as I'm knocking him. Of course. I mean, everything I was in wrestling was because of him. Of course. You know, we are much more mindful today. We just, we, and we know by the mistakes of the, of the past. Right. So. That's what we're learning today. So there was another there was another episode that happened. Um, it must have been my junior year, and I'll tell this story quickly. But sure, it's one of it's one of the great moments in my life. Right? That's what we want. And so transformative moments. We had a janitorial crew at the high school that I had no use for, and they okay. had less use for me. Okay, there are these big sloppy guys. One of them hated me. Okay, and his hatred was only out done by mine towards him <laughs> and so i walked to the that wasn't tennis shoe lou was it It wasn't tennis shoe okay. tennis shoe lou was a dream compared to <laughs> russ okay. i won't oh, tell russ. you what he was called yeah. russ the the what it was i don't use that language anymore but indeed but right. that was his official nickname so i right. i knock on the coaches i mean the teacher's lounge door to see if coach i would hang out with me during lunch which he was always willing to do of course and which meant he had to come away from Max Vermillion and Herb Smolka, oh, yeah. and, right? Yeah, yeah. I knock on the door, and Russ answers the door. Oh, that is not who I'm looking forward to. This right. big, you know, he was probably 240 pounds of all yeah. belly. Oh, boy. And so he opens the door, and he goes, what do you want, Peters? Oh, right? boy. So I said, uh, is Coach I in there? Yeah. And he goes, you mean Dominic? Oh, I boy. Said, yeah, I mean Dominic. He's, he closes the door, he goes, Dominic, that a-hole Peters oh, is boy. out there for you, right? Oh, boy. I'm just like, man, I should just take this guy. <laughs> he was a huge man. Though. So, but I still would have. Coach I comes to the door. Yes. And he goes, how you doing, Scott? And I go, how you doing, Dominic? <laughs> and in one second, 
Oh, boy. He whacks me across the face. Oh, my God. With such strength. Oh, my God. He knocked God. me three feet back. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he comes out and he shoves me up against the wall. Yeah. And he said, you know, all 130 pounds of him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, don't you ever disrespect me by calling me by my first name in front of adults again. Wow. That's so, old school, baby. That's Collinwood. Now, I want to tell you something. Yeah. I mean, today, yeah. could you imagine? Yeah, you'd be in jail or whatever. You right. know. Let me tell you, let me tell you yeah. what a lesson that was in how to treat adults. What nerve I had to address him by his first name, even though I was just mimicking this sure. other guy. But the point is, I was also mimicking an adult. Yes. I was mocking another adult. That lesson has stayed with me today. Later, years later, I was grown and married and with children and sitting on the Beachwood School Board. Yes. I had trouble referring to him as Dominic because I was scared I was going to get cracked again. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a 40-year-old guy right, and you're like, right. wait for like, that left I'm hand. Like, Coach, how you doing? <laughs> so, What's up? A left hand. So I, I was juggling. I was juggling the situation where... I, could, I never wanted to look like I still looked up to him because there were decisions that involved him yes. while I was on the board. Yes. And I always wanted him to be favorable. But if everybody knew he was my idol, yes, right, then it, yeah. would, it would look, you know. John is the, uh, the yeah, opinion. Yeah, and so, exactly. So I walked this fine line of saying, I don't know, you know, yeah, as quietly right. under my breath as I could. But um, today I, I go back to coach. You know, as soon as I came off the board, I, I, I started calling coach again. Yes. You know, I still have so much love in my heart for him. And so, he, yeah, he transitioned me from boyhood to manhood. We've got so much to talk about with Scott. We're going to end this, our first two-part episode, and we're going to come back next week with episode two. So I want to thank Scott Peters for this part of his young life and what transformed him from boy to man, that we are all blood. I want to share my thought of the day with you. Iron through fire makes steel. Welcome the fire. Hey guys, I want to thank Affinity Hole Health and the owner, Brian Zide. He uh, started this company to get you feeling like you were in your prime. You can reach this company at feelgreatcleveland.com. Uh, founded, obviously, by a former wrestler athlete and his partner, who's also a former wrestler and athlete. The whole goal for this is to get you feeling like you're in, in your prime, but also uh, helps you with muscle definition and strength, increased libido, increased energy and drive, increased mental acuity, obviously increases your confidence if you get all those, and increases recovery time from workouts. If uh, if you like all those things and you want all those things, check them out at feelgreatcleveland.com. Thank you again, Brian Zide and Affinity Whole Health. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. <laughs>